Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research, and today we're recapping the May meeting of our Health Tech Equity Working Group. With me to go over top takeaways and insights are senior researcher Sarah Seibert and staff writer researcher Jayla Whitfield. Hi, everyone. Hi, Alex. Hello, Alex. The Health Tech Equity Working Group is a group of approximately 25 leaders from across the federal government and industry. Their mission? To harness the collective power of federal government to highlight evolving health equity frameworks and address how IT modernization efforts like interoperability, data management, telehealth, and more can close gaps and improve health outcomes. The first meeting of the working group was held in January, and you can find a full report on our website or by clicking the link in our description. A report from our May meeting is coming soon, but in the meantime, we're here to provide a quick overview of the event. Before we dive into the details, Sarah, Jayla, how was the working group? It was a lot of fun. It was great to learn more. I thought it was really interesting. A couple of the members have their PhDs, so hearing from doctors at that level about like the psychology that goes into developing technology was really interesting. So that was one of my big aha moments when I walked away from the meeting. Definitely. I think it was a really good time. Lots of great information. I really enjoyed how the people that were involved in this working group were able to really speak their mind, get in and relay different perspectives on different topics in comparison to when there's just a panel, maybe people are just talking at you. It seemed like everyone was talking together, trying to come up with ideas and solutions. Yeah, our working groups really are special in terms of that roundtable collaborative environment. So the first topic of conversation was on the U.S. core data for interoperability, otherwise known as U.S. CDI. So for those who don't know what that is, and by those who don't know, I mean me, what is U.S. CDI and what was the discussion like? Yeah, so for an overview of U.S. CDI, it comes out of ONC, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, comes out of the Department of Health and Human Services, and it provides a standardized set of health data classes and data elements for nationwide interoperable health information exchange. So they have three versions. There is a fourth version. It's like iterative, I would say. So for every version, they add some new data classes or new data elements. And they're currently in their V4 draft stage. Uh, so the fourth version, I think they're targeting on publishing that in July. So it's out for comment right now. Yeah, so, and also when they discussed the US CDI, they wanted to make sure that they discussed that it's not perfect. There's still some pockets and places and areas that need to be worked on. I know one of the things that I stuck out to me was that the staff may not be trained in all the areas like entering data elements and things of that such. And also that this plan is pretty expensive. There's a lot of funding needed to make this happen to the best of its ability. So that was also a challenge that could happen with this. Right. Throughout the discussion, I think there is also mention of 
the intersection between IT and infrastructure that needs to be integrated more. So HHS plans to expand and leverage the USCDI foundation from the health data perspective to ensure its strength. So then government as a whole can solve more complicated problems in healthcare. And then one of ONC's new initiatives is called Health Equity by Design. This is covered in our HIMSS coverage, if you missed that, so check out the article. But basically, it talks about building in health equity at the beginning instead of having it as an afterthought. And then within the umbrella of USCDI, there is USCDI+. Plus. <laughs> and that has the different unique agency data that isn't meant by USCDI. So, for example, CDC and FDA have public health data, CMS has quality measurement, NCI has cancer data, etc. And then one of the hurdles to overcome uh, that was talked about a lot was trust. So making sure that there's representation, and I should say that this is trust with providers, building trust with providers, and building trust with patients. So to solve this issue of trust, agencies are making sure that there's representation across behavioral health, mental health, substance misuse. And a lot of times those types or classes or sets of data are heavily locked down just because of, you know, patients don't want their mental health data shared. So government is working to build that trust that the data is being used and protected properly. De-identifying data would be one way to do this. So they're developing, when I say there, I'm talking about the working group members and the agencies or organizations they represent. <laughs> so they're developing consistent data sharing standards, hence USCDI, and then some members mentioned the importance of community and field engagement or community outreach that is a separate entity aside from government or industry. And I'm sure that we'll see more coming out from President Biden to increase representation to underrepresented communities and specifying ethnicities and then protecting that information. I just really like that you mentioned representation because one of the biggest challenges that I got from it was the equity standpoint, which also ties into trust, just making sure that they're able to get everyone to the table and trying to build a consistent set of information from different parts of the country, different counties, from local to state to federal, um, which is also very difficult to do because everyone doesn't live in the same areas, they're not available to the same resources. Um, they may not even have as many doctors as certain other areas. So that was something that really stood out to me was that equity plays into that trust factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think that leads well into our next talking point, bias identification. This was a great part of the working group because this is one of the main areas where everyone really kind of pitched in, gave different different things that you may not have thought of uh, when it came to bias. So that was really interesting to hear all of the different perspectives on this. Uh, I'll let Sarah start off with some of the biases that she listened in on, and then I can go in right after. Yeah, so during the discussion, there were a lot of different types of biases mentioned, as Jayla said. Uh, one of the main ones that was talked about first was the over-reliance on technology. So just as a population, the United States as a whole, uh, there's been a lot of innovation and 
without education, people will take that technology as truth and rely on it too much in their daily lives. And then that causes other issues. So just to piggyback on what you're talking about, you know, a working group member from the VA actually dove into a bias that was talking about broadening the lens. So they're basically talking about how there's a bias between testing groups. And I don't know if you guys have seen stories about this, but there's oxygen sensors, there's different kind of devices that doctors use that were made with specific groups in mind. Um, So for instance, most of these devices may have been made with certain people in mind, but they didn't include other people in those testing groups. So now when they're using them on different races, ethnicities, and other people, it doesn't measure those diseases or whatever they're going through correctly. So that could also lead to a bias. Right. Yeah, that's a great example. And then another one that I took note of was socioeconomic bias. So that is perceived strengths and weaknesses based on somebody's socioeconomic status and then making decisions based on that. And that can be extremely unfair. Oh, yeah. So just another one that I noticed was the statistics bias really stood out to me. It was basically saying that based on what studies say, the doctors are listening to what the studies say instead of listening to their patient. And many times the patient knows what's best for them. So it's basically making sure that you're listening to those patients, that you're trusting your patient, and you're not just relying on studies and statistics to get your answer because that trust is a two-way street. So that was another one that stood out. Right. And then I also took note of hubris bias, which is just the excessive confidence from a developer in their own technology. It's kind of this notion that one can do no wrong in developing and the technology can do no wrong after it's developed. And that is just not the case. It has to be continually checked and verified. And then there's also biases with sensor data and data collection. So it's important for data scientists and people working on the back end to understand how that data was collected to combat those biases. And then the last one on my list, and then Jayla, I'll pass it over to you for any final thoughts, was average bias. So there's just an average population across the United States could be different from an individual patient's needs. So understanding those differences and catering healthcare to fill those gaps is important. Jayla, is there anything else you'd like to add before we jump into the solutions? Uh, No, I think that was great. I just really wanted to uh, pinpoint that that socioeconomic bias was a huge one that everyone really dove in on because It influences so many other decisions, and it's such a root issue that's kind of hard to solve. So I guess we can get into those solutions, because I think those are going to be really important to making sure that we start from the root and solving that first issue, which could also trickle down to these other problems. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So in terms of solutions, one of the big ones on my end was creating governance. So having better management and oversight of data and technology that goes into that continual verification and continual learning process and being able to change technologies when different biases are identified within them. And then there was also discussions around design principles for self-governing data. So self-governing data is basically me as a patient going in and accessing my health records and seeing For example, that something in my health record isn't correct. I have the ability to change that. 
And then that also goes into being able to voluntarily share data. So it's giving more power to the patient, which I think across the entire discussion, not only as we were talking about bias, but it was, there was a lot of talk in general about patient empowerment. And then the last thing I had on my list was creating a patient-centered plan. So that goes into what I was just saying about having the patient, patient empowerment, patient at the center of healthcare. Yeah, I think those are all great solutions. I know um, making sure that the patient feels empowered was a big one that came to my mind. And in the working group, there was a lot of ideas that different people brought up. These are not ideas that are in place right now or anything like that. But an idea that I really liked was the digital health card. I know this is kind of similar to when we had COVID, the vaccination going on your phone, but an actual digital health card that can, you know, you can give it to a doctor that possibly says everything on your history that you have or things that you would like to discuss, um, something that you can keep on you and something that lets you be able to advocate for yourself. Because one of those solutions that I heard a lot was that the patients need to kind of speak up and advocate for themselves. And then also, I did want to touch on patient advocacy outside of the hospital. So I know in the hospital, it's something where there's patient advocates that can help you while you're there. But having someone that's with you in a community-based setting was a solution that a lot of the members on the working group thought would be a great idea. Because I don't know if that's something that's around just yet, but maybe something more in-depth where having someone to listen in to those conversations with the doctor, maybe someone that's doing that research for you on the back end, someone that's helping you. Because they were uh, an example that they gave is, you know, when someone gets a cancer diagnosis, they're not listening. They may, you know, if I was to get that, I may stop listening into everything else the doctor is saying, because that's a big life changing thing to happen. But if you have a patient advocate there with you in the room, they could maybe get all that other information in and filter it out for you. So I think that's also another solution that could help with this process. So this working group is not the only GovCIO media and research event to touch on health IT. We actually have a whole summit coming up in September. So I believe that you all are taking notes and ideas and inspiration as to what to discuss at that summit from the working group. Can you go over quickly just some of the topics that came up? Yeah, definitely. Bust out your bingo cards. <laughs> we'll be talking about the public health data strategy, uh, EHR modernization, cross-agency interoperability, health and climate and how those two are tied together, protecting patient data, which ties into what Jayla and I were just discussing, and then investing in different emerging technologies and how organizations are choosing to invest that money. Awesome. And is there a specific topic that you are most excited to see discussed? Ooh, hmm. I always love the discussion around emerging tech because there's always something new. I think AI is going to be a big point at this summit, just from what we've seen with generative AI since the beginning of the year. So I'm hoping to learn more about that. And then I also think it'll be interesting to learn about the different health strategies and data strategies that are out there because there's still data is like the first step of any goal you're trying to reach. But there's still a lot of work that needs to be done just in general across government to get that data organized and in one place and in a digital format. 
<laughs> so those are two that come to mind. And then EHR modernization, as always, there's something new every day with that. Well, I have one that I um, think I'm excited about, which is protecting patient data. I know that that's uh, big and it's going to tie in with trust. And I know that it's going to be difficult to get this done, right, because of that socioeconomic uh, status and situation. People maybe not trusting healthcare, maybe not wanting to go to the doctor in certain communities. But I think this is where a lot of these problems will be solved from if we focus in on protecting this patient data and making sure that people are aware of where their data is going before it goes out. Definitely. Well, thank you, Sarah and Jayla, a lot to think about from the working group and a lot to look forward to in September at our Health IT Summit. Listeners should keep an eye out on our website for a report on the working group. But until then, that's all for today's HealthCast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you'd like, please leave a review as well. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of HealthCast. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Sarah Seibert. I'm Jayla Whitfield. Thank you for listening. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. If you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.